Hello and welcome to Just a Tumor of Us podcast, the podcast about living with and without cancer and navigating everyday life from two very different perspectives. I'm Ed, a student journalist. I'm Linda, a mother of five with a full-time job and stage four bowel cancer. Um, and we have another guest on this week, um, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Debbie Mohal. I'm a grandmother, 55 years of age, and was diagnosed with breast cancer 2018. Yeah. So will we do a general check-in? Yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. of how your week's been. How's your how week's been? How was yours, I suppose? Uh, yeah, it's been grand. It's just been busy. Like I'm I'm still trying to I'm still trying to get used to being five days in work and not be three days because I was three days because I was doing college and look, it's just about a balancing act and then I'm getting all these ideas in my head about what I wanna do and like you just never have enough money or enough time. Yeah. That's just the thing, you know. But look, I nothing everything's been okay nothing's been kind of off the wall around which is good um, so yeah my week's been grand yeah mine's pretty much the same really busy you know i kind of went a bit over the top of the weekend so we went to cinema saturday we're out most of the day and then we went to the zoo on sunday which was amazing the kids had a great time we had a great day we went to one of the neighbors um down the road we had a great day but then i had to go to work on monday so it's in the office monday and tuesday Dead, like completely wiped out but then couldn't sleep in the evening so I was up till two in the morning then having to get up no hence why I was bawling at the, in the middle of the week and um, walked up till yesterday so this morning I've been for me bloods when I met a friend for breakfast and here we are so that's been my week the weekend is busy work and then yeah here we are now for the next part of the weekend so yeah it was all right what about you Debbie? Uh, basically, I, I work as a community development worker in Dalton House, so it's like, because um, I live and work here, it's just sometimes it's major busy, but it's it's just be really busy at work all the time, you know, lots of meetings and that, but genuinely, I know some people say, oh, you're a lunatic, but I actually do love my job, I love working in the community, I love meeting the people, and um, so this week has been busy as usual, which I prefer to be busy, I don't like not being busy. Um, went to see a play last night, which was very good in the Abbey Theatre. And um, I think my highlight was looking back on my memories on my phone uh, yesterday and realising this time five years ago I was in Las Vegas, the one place that I always wanted to, to be. Um, looking at it and going, oh God, I actually got there. And I'm so happy that I actually did. And even looking back on my memories, it gave me all the jibbers. I was like, best holiday ever. Um, I just loved it. Great. That is great. Um, I wish I could go to somewhere like that. Maybe when you get to 50. I got to 50 and the children bought it from me. I'd like to go back to the Caribbean when I was. We won four weddings. I'd love to go back to the Caribbean for me 50th, but look, we'll see. Was that the four weddings? That holiday was when. Did they forget to book your flights home or something? No, we had a connecting. So we flew from Antigua to. London and then London to Dublin and when we got to London the flight we were meant to come out to Dublin on was gone because we were a little bit delayed but then when we looked into it they booked us to fly home the day before so we were still in Antigua when they had our flight from London to Dublin booked so they fixed it all and we had to get in touch with them and they got us the next flight but we were in the airport for a few hours but uh, yeah it was a nightmare like we actually we thought we'd missed their flight to Dublin when actually it was that time but the day before so the girl who booked their flights home would book the wrong day. It's amazing though. I'd love to do and like the Caribbean again. Right. Please God, that happens. It will. 
Yeah. Be positive. You, Only another five years. You get to the Caroline again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so basically we will just kind of have a chat with yourself, Debbie. Uh, do you want to kind of just talk us through your whole journey with uh, cancer yeah. and stuff like that? No problem. So I was diagnosed in 2018 and I was 51 years of age. And I suppose most people will know that they start screening you for breast cancer at 50. And um, this is a weird story, but it needs to be told as well because it's just like I feel that this bit is important. I, I'd i be one, as I said, I would be advocating for people to have, you know, their health tests and screenings done. And I've always done that beforehand. So I actually was kind of going, oh God, when I get to 50, I'll have to have my breast check and that's it. So I turned 51 then, you know, the following year in 2018. And I was like, nobody has contacted me. And then now the blue letter arrived at the, on, on my door saying I was to have uh, my breast screen. And I was like, good, that, let's get this out of the way. So um, then the beast from the east came. So there was no screen. Was that the storm? That was a really bad snowstorm we had in 2018. So I I was to have it in the mobile clinic in Crumlin. And I rang them to say, well, obviously, I knew everything was closed because we'd been sent home from work and everything. And I was like, well, I can't go. But I rang and there was no one even in the office. And I left a message to say, you know, obviously I can't attend because nobody is going to. So it was a week later when I eventually got through to them and I said, like, you know, I did ring his last week and she said, no, there's no one in the office. So I said, like, I just want to let you know, I still want to come for the screening and, you know, send me out a letter and whatever. And she said, oh, yeah, I'll just get your details again. And she said, um, she gave me my me, me name and my address. And I said, that's not, that's not my address. That's my old address, I said. And she said, well, that's where we sent the letter to. And I said, no, because I got it in my new address. And she said, um, hold on, I just checked. So she said, no, we've sent out two or three letters to that address. And I was like, well, I only got this one. So I was kind of going, this is weird. And I asked the postman, because, you know, obviously when you live in a community, you get to know people. So we knew the postman. And he said to me, I didn't change your address on that letter, he said. So I was like, well, how did it get to me? How did this letter get to me that I was to have my screen on? So nobody could ever answer that mystery for me. But I always thought afterwards, as they say, divine intervention. I personally think my father, you know, who I adored, um, I think he'd, he had died and I think that he had made sure that I got it because it was important. So it's it's weird, you know, that it my address had changed and I'd got the letter, do you know what I mean? And you'd missed three letters before Yeah. That. And this one just arrived and nobody knew how I got it. Nobody knew how it arrived at the proper address. But um, anyway, I, I went off and got me a test, went up to Crumlin and um, it was March, would have been March 2018. Went up to Crumlin, got the test and um, of course, everybody knows it's a bit uncomfortable. Those who've had it knows it's a bit uncomfortable yeah. to have, you know, your, your, your breast squeezed in a vice. But at the end of the day, it's for good reason. So... Went up, got that done, and I was like, well, that's over and done with now. I'm finished now till next year, and good luck. And literally a week later, and it was funny because the girl and walk had had towards the same time, and she was really nervous. And I was like, no, I'm not, because it's just something that you have to yeah. do. So um, the following week, I got a letter to say that they needed to check it again. 
And I was like, and because I'd never had it before, I was going, maybe this is normal, you know, you go. But they were asking me to go to Vincent's Hospital this time. So I went out to Vincent's Hospital, arrived there, and they'd done, um, which I didn't know. I just thought we were going to do another mammogram. They said, you know, you're here for a biopsy. Was it triple screening they did that day? Don't you do that triple screening with breast cancer? It's the mammogram, the biopsy, the scan. And the biopsy, yes, yeah. 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 And I was like, I, I, I didn't know what it was. I was like, what are you doing? And even when she said biopsy, I was like, I knew what a biopsy meant. I knew it meant you had to take a piece of something away. And I was like, well, what are you taking away? And then she oh, no, we just have to check this, she said. It's just, there's something there, she said. And, you know, we can't say what it is. We just have to do it. And I was like, I'm not really have to do this. You have to do it. And off you go. So I sat down and got me little local anesthetic and she snipped away and that was fine. And then she just told me to go in and speak to the nurse. So I went in and spoke to the nurse and she was saying to me, oh, I'll bring you in to see the doctor. And I was like, okay. But again, because you haven't been there, you don't know that that's, that's what the procedure is. Mm. So I went in and seen the doctor and um, the doctor said to me, um, you, you know, we had to do a biopsy. And I said to him, "Is that can- have I got cancer? And he said, oh, we can't say because we have to check the biopsy, obviously. And I was like, yeah, well, obviously you do. And then he said to me, which Linda has said a few times, he said to me, did you come here on your own? And I said, yeah, I'm kind of one of those people that goes places on their own. I don't like asking anyone to, to come anywhere with me. I just kind of get along with it and just do it. And he said to me, but you didn't bring anyone with you. And I said, no, I didn't want to bring anyone with me. So he said, well, next week when you come back, he said, would you bring someone with you? And I kind of knew. I said to him, are you going to give me bad news next week? And he said, we don't know the results, he said. But obviously they do. They, they, do. they have good, They have been obviously looking at these for years. But he just said to me, now would it not be nice to bring someone to have a cup of coffee with? So I said, okay, right. I said, I'll see. And I was still kind of going, I don't really care about bringing someone with me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I hadn't even, I don't even think I told anybody that I was going for it. And then about two days later, I met my sister. And she said to me, um, no, I'd met my sister on my way for the, the biopsy. And she said to me, oh, I'll go with you. And I was going, no, I'd be grand. But when I came back and told her and said they need someone to come with me, she said to me, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. What day is it? And I said, it's just day next week. I said, so she said, fine. So following me and I still thought nothing of it I thought I was going to go out and he was going to say it was benign and that's the end of that but uh, we went out and you know that thing where they say one out of two people have cancer the woman that went in before me came out and she was all excited because she hadn't got cancer and I think a reality kind of hit me I was going I'm in next am I She's number one, am I the number two? Yeah. And I still kind of went, no, that's not going to happen. So anyway, we went in, sat down, and uh, he said to me, um, hi, and uh, we have your results, and uh, I'm sorry to tell you. And as soon as he said, I'm sorry to tell you, I knew that it was cancer. He said, I'm sorry to tell you, he said, we have found a tumour on your right breast. And I said, okay. And I actually said to him, thanks very much. And my sister kept looking at me, and I was like, what? And she was like, did you hear what he said? And I said, yeah, I did hear what he said. And he said, 
but you know there's things we have to do here and I was like yeah that's fine and he said uh, well so he explained the size of it he was very clear he said that the tumor is about um I think it was 14 millimeters and I said okay and he said um now he said usually what happens is we go for um we're going to remove the tumor and chemotherapy and he said, then we talk more after that, because he said, we don't know whether we'll, you will need radiation and medication. But he said, we'll talk about that after. And I said, okay, that's fine. So um, I was, I think I was, I, I, I was still in shock that I had it, but I was kind of going, well, he seems to think that it's okay, that he can do something with this, you know. And when he said to you, I found, we found a tumour, when did he say it's cancer? Like, did he ever say that? Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Say, he said it immediately. Oh okay. Yeah, and he said to me that um, we need to go. We need to have this surgery. He said, "You need to have surgery." He said, "We need to have this removed." He said, and I said, "Oh, that's fine." I said, but I still I don't know where like my head was. But I said to him, "When do you want to do it?" And he said, "There was a sense of urgency." He said, "Oh well, I would like to do it next week," and I said to him, "Well, I'm sorry." You can't do it next week. I'm babysitting. <laughs> and he said, what? And I said, oh, I said, my daughter only had a baby last August. I said, and this is our fourth holiday. And I told her I minded that baby. And so I have to mind him. I couldn't do that at all. And I think he was looking at me and was like, you're nuts. But anyway, I was like, no, I have to, I have to mind the baby. Like, it's not fair. She needs a little rest. Hold my part and I need to, no, they walk hard. They need to go away. And I said, it's my grandson. I want to mind him. So he said to me, okay, he said, what we'll do is we'll let you mind the baby, he said, for the week. But he said, as soon as they're back, you have to come straight back into me. He said, give me a date. And I said, I will. And he said, um, just remember, he said, we're doing this. He said, because you seem to be really close to your grandchildren, he said. And he said, I'm just letting you know, you probably won't have to hold him for six months after. And I think that's when the reality I was like, oh, my grandchildren, you know. I wasn't even thinking of my children. I love my children dearly, but I was like, they're adults. These are children. How do I manage these three children, you know? And I was trying to explain to them what's, what's going on in my life. So um, anyway, I, I went off and came home. And I you know, I, that's a lie. I came out and the first person I rang was my partner to tell him that I, was, I had cancer. And I even knew the silence on the other end mm-hmm. was obviously shocking for him. Because you know yourself when you're telling somebody, it's just... And he was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I actually thought I was very fine. Um, and told the kids then. And uh, I waited till I came home to tell the kids face to face. And I know my youngest daughter, she, she kept looking at me. You know, she was like, what? What does that mean? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when people hear cancer, they think that, you know, the end result is, is death, yeah. you know. And I think when you say that word, that's what people think. And then obviously my eldest daughter as well, they were very concerned and they were like, what is going to happen? So I had to explain what's going to happen. And and I was just saying, no, don't worry, yes, because I'll be able to mind the baby next week. <laughs> you know, I was like, I can still mind the baby next week. And I mean, that was the furthest thing from all mine, but I was like, this is what I want to do. So that was fine. So, um, I, I went off and minded the child and then um, they brought me in for my surgery, as I said, it'll be four years. Can I ask you a question, sorry, no. did you ever ask them what stage you were at from the time he told you? I said, 
I, I didn't even ask, you know, what stage it was at. I just asked, could it be removed? That's that's the only question I asked. Yeah. And I didn't ask. And it was only later on I found out it was um, HER2 positive. It was stage two. It okay. was stage, stage two cancer I had. So, again, as I said, when you don't know, now I know. Mm-hmm. And obviously because I've met people who have different, I mean, although it's breast cancer, there's lots of different breast mm-hmm. cancers that you can get. You know, mine would be called to work or two positive and it'd be hormonal, you know, so. Is that it, estrogen? Estrogen, it's to do with it, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for me, I was thinking as a young woman, young woman, I would have took the pill, you know, so mm. maybe that was a reason. I was never told that that was the reason and, mm. you know, or the, or the cause. But in my eyes, I was kind of going on estrogen and, and the pill. And then also uh, the coil later in life mm. that also has estrogen. So you're kind of going, is that what really... Is that what caused this problem? Yeah. It is one of the, I was doing some research last night and it is one of the contributing factors. It can be one of the factors that heightens your risk of yeah. breast cancer. Yeah. And I have a, I was born with a hole in my heart that never closed up. So I still have it and I attend cardiology once a year, but I haven't been for about three because of COVID. But because of the hole in my heart, like really quickly, if I go to the dentist, I have to have an antibiotic an hour before, mm. but I've never, and I suffer with like hemophilic migraines, right? Which right. is like a stroke. So you think you're having a stroke, you're a psycho, you've got numb hands, numb face. Mm. And the reason why I tell you that is because those two combined together, the hole in the heart and the migraines has stopped me ever having any contraceptive wow. because I, it can cause a stroke. So I've never ever in my life took a contraceptive. That's right. why I have five kids. Yeah, that's why you so many. <laughs> but those two things together could have contributed to me having a stroke. So it yeah. wasn't wise for me. I could Once I was on a one hormone pill, yeah. which only had progest... I know people call it... Progestogen. Progestogen, yeah. yeah. And no estrogen. Yeah. But, so I, I've i never had any estrogen kind of pills. Yeah. Which is just me long And, and yeah. again, again, about awareness, I suppose that if, if young women now, that's, you know, that's the first thought of you know if, if they're going to have thinking about contraceptive if that's their first thought yeah. i think there should be more information given to them about mm. the estrogen and what it can what can happen to you yeah. if you know if your body has got a lot of estrogen mm. in it in and like my way. observation and my and my experience with like i'm only diagnosed 10 months so i'm learning every every day is a school day but i my experience on a friday when i go in on a friday it's breast clinic and bowel clinic day mm. on the same day and the, the women with breast cancer just look like, not even look like, they, they just, they're through the mill. They lose their hair, they're so poorly. And then sometimes I feel bad for moaning about the little things that I moan about because I've been very blessed and lucky with my chemotherapy, mm. where the chemotherapy for breast cancer is very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like toxic nearly. Yeah. Makes women Toxicity. very yeah, sick, yeah. very sick. And I yeah. know like, women are cured from it yeah. but Jesus they've a road ahead of them before yeah. they get there of course they do they yeah. really do and like, I'm not minimising that other people with, with bowel cancer haven't had the same experience I haven't do yeah. you know what I mean but I do definitely see the impact of certain chemotherapies Chemo on people yeah. you know? but I mean if you think about it chemotherapy is highly toxic yeah. because it is in there to get rid of the bad cells that's yeah. in your body but it yeah. rid gets rid of the good ones as well. Yeah. So therefore, obviously, your body is open to everything. You know, yeah. it's just, it, you're open to everything. And it's just, um, and that's something as well that, you know, you're not really told at the time. You're kind of going, you know, it, you think that if you get your surgery, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And then after that, it's going to be, you're going to be up there. Yeah. But in actual fact, you're still, 
maybe going downhill yeah. and maybe up and down and up yeah. because you don't actually know what way you're going to react to the treatment. When I first met my oncologist, he told me that I would do six rounds of chemo and we'd come back around the table. When I went to meet my bell, my liver surgeon who did the delivery section, he told me that everybody has 12 rounds of chemo no matter what. So my oncologist didn't lie to me, but he didn't give me the full story. No. And that pisses me off because I need to know. I've, you want like, to I've heard women in the hospital go, if I'm told to stand on my head, I'll stand on my head. No, I want every week I ask what my cancer markers are. I want to know everything. So now that I've been told we all have 12, my expectation is my week of radiation, my surgery on my mm. rectum and goodbye, Linda. But now yeah. in reality in my head, I'm thinking they call it, I know on some of the sites I'm on, they call it mop-up chemo. So that you get a bit of chemo to get rid of that and that's left. Left. Yeah. So I don't think my chemo journey is over. It's over. You know, yeah. but I just yeah. wish they would be more clear with you and tell you this. Well, mine did. Mine, mine the reason, because I said to him afterwards when I had, as I said, I had the assault. Did you have your whole breast from No, I had a lumpectomy. Okay. And on, on the right breast. But obviously, it's obviously much smaller than the other one. But to be honest with you, I don't care because... I actually remember saying to him, you know, uh, can you take them away? I just thought I was going to get a mastectomy. And he said, uh, what? And I was like, just take them away. And he said, well, we actually don't do that. You know, and I was going, but I don't need them. <laughs> you know, And he was going, yeah, you might need them, but we're not going to take them just for the sake of you yeah. saying, you know, just take them away. He said, no, he said, we, we know what we're doing. He said, so he said, if we take a lumpectomy from that breast, he said, and then... We go on to do the rest of the, the treatment. And that's when I asked about why, you know, after you've removed it, why are you giving me chemotherapy? You have to tell me you've removed it. And he so said... So it look, sorry for no, my lack fine. of knowledge, is it look back to me just, they've removed the tumour just? Yes. And probably skin around and it. And skin around okay. it. And they obviously had to check the lymph nodes because that's when it's kind of dodgy, but it's in the lymph nodes yeah, as course, well. Yeah. So they did, they did remove um, a good portion. And he told me that. Yeah. He said there will be a good portion of the breast removed. And another point just to say, and I know the girls said it last week as well, is that I would have never felt my lump. You know, the way we say to people, yeah. feel for lumps and do, as I just say, do the clock 12, mm. 1, 2, 3 around the breast. But I would have never felt it because I was so far back in my breast. So I wouldn't have felt it physically. Oh. So that's another thing just yeah. to say to people. That's why it's important to go for the screening. Because I couldn't feel it, but yet it was there. Yeah. So the screening was the only way I probably would have found it. But also just to say that when I had my surgery, which was the 22nd of May, 2018, he told me, obviously when he met me afterwards, that it was actually fast grown. Because it went from 14 millimetres to 16 in two weeks. Really? Mm. So that kind of, to me, was a bit... So you had no chemo, you went straight to surgery? Went straight to surgery. Okay. I went straight to surgery, and then they gave me a few weeks. He sat me down then and said, this is the plan now, he said. You have to have chemotherapy, radiation, and I think I had 21 days radiation. Finished my radiation on New Year's Eve, 2018. And that was because I got sick. I should have finished it on the 20th of December, but I got sick the first day of my radiation. I got very sick. And I couldn't get the second one. So okay. that was that. But I said, why am I to have all this? And he did say to me, although we removed the tumour, tiny, tiny, tiny particles, as they say, atoms, can go around the whole body, he said. And he said, one could lodge in your head, one could lodge in your big toe. But if it's cancerous, that's what we have to worry about. So he said, that's why we have to give you the best possible yeah. chance. Because we've gone in there and been invasive and 
you know, had to move stuff around. Mm. We're just hoping that no cells escaped and moved Spread around. Spread anywhere. So else, I was yeah. like, okay. So I suppose when it's when someone sits down and tells you exactly what they're going to do, you're kind of going, well, okay, let's 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 do this. Yeah, you need so, to become an expert on your cancer, yeah, don't you? Yeah, and I suppose another thing as well is after you have to become very strong because after the cancer, I after the, the surgery. I found that, you know, he said to me, yeah, the nurses said to me, now, Debbie, you have to do these exercises. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I'm so ill. Do you know, I was like, exercises, you know? And the exercises is because if you don't do, start moving the arms, the arms can become like stagnant. Do you know what I mean? And you get blood clots. Yeah. As well. And I was like, and it was really funny because it was like, I used to have to stand at a wall and it was like a spider crawling up the wall. And my aim was to get this spider over my head. Do you know what I mean? So at, at the beginning, I was probably doing like about five, ten steps with this little spider at the wall with my fingers. And I was like, oh, I'm as far as here. And then you'd get up as far as the neck. And then your aim was to get right up, so you know. Raise both yeah, and again. I swear to God, I was like somebody after winning something when I was like, oh, I can get it up yeah. over my head again. And I knew then, I was like, this is the start yeah. of the recovery bit, yeah. you know. And... Um, as I said, then I went in for chemotherapy and my experience with that was was weird as well because I went, I had mine in the Matter Hospital because the doctor had said to me, I can't really be around the children and I lived with my daughter and the, my granddaughter and my grandson. I was really concerned about them so I moved in with my partner at the time and uh, I said, I had, I'd obviously asked him, I said, you know, it's okay for me to move in and he was like, that's fine and then we went, because he lived over Northside, the best option was for me was to do my treatment in over the Matter yeah. Hospital. So I started, and the very first day we started, which was great, I thought this was going to be, this is how my life's going to be for the next, like, three months. So the first morning I started, I told me to be in at 7.30am for my first chemo. And it was the 13th of August, 2018. I don't forget that either. And uh, we went in at 7.30 and I was home now for half ten having something to eat. And I was like, that's grand. That's wonderful. That's that's out of the way. And obviously the next morning was my first morning to be sick. Oh, after right. the chemo. Yeah. And I was like, because I was kind of going, you feel so energised when you get it because you're kind of going, this is the road to recovery. But the road to recovery is slow, as we know. But mm. I mean, you don't realise the effects that chemotherapy can have oh, no, yeah. on your body. So, I mean, I thought I was great after me first. I said, oh, no, God, I, I'm, I'm grand. You know, I'm able to have something to eat and all. But the next day, I kind of felt sickly. But the following weeks after that, because I had my chemo every three weeks, um, they were a nightmare in the hospital. Absolute nightmare. And the reason being, I can't fault the hospital, I have to say. The nurses were absolutely amazing. And all the other patients were lovely. But you'd go in for, I used to go in for my chemo at, you say, 2 p.m. of the day, and I wouldn't leave the hospital at 7 at night. Oh, my frustration. And it's just, it's horrible the length yeah, of time. I go in at half past eight and I don't come out till 7 o'clock. Yeah, it's And just, I only get an hour pre-meds. Yeah. I don't even get, I get, what happens is I get an hour pre-meds because I'm allergic yeah. to oxaliplatin. So I get an hour pre-meds and then it's called push and pump 5-FU. So they have this big thing about this size and they inject the whole thing into my arm or into my port. So that's chemo, straight yeah. in, done. And then the pump goes on. Yeah. I'm just getting out there at seven o'clock. 
Now I've been told when I go in tomorrow to make sure that my file is not with the file for bloods because of me blood done today. More and they promise yeah, they're going to try delays. and get me out by lunchtime. Yeah. If I get out by lunchtime tomorrow, I'll skip home. <laughs> like the yeah. frustration, and I know, I know it's not their fault. It's a no, lack of resources. Not. It is. Yeah. Like you resort yourself to tears because you get so angry. Well, you just hit a wall. I am the opposite because I in in when I you know me, Linda. I talk to everybody. I'm just one of those people that yeah. you know. I meet somebody on the bus, and by far, by the time I finish the journey, I know the life story. But what happened to me when I was getting my chemo was I meet all these other women who'd be there, and I was going. This is not good enough. This is not good. How dare they do this to us? So it ended up that I was like, no, I'm going to write to Simon Harris, who was the Minister of Minister Health at the yeah. time. And I was like, how dare they do this to us? And then it said, as the weeks went on, one of the weeks I went in, and this was crazy. One of the weeks I went in and I got my treatment. And I, you know, Linda, when you're getting your treatment, you know exactly what bags is going up onto the, yeah. um, the stand. And you're kind of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be yapping to the other women and I'd be going. And I knew this day that the green bag hadn't gone up, which was the chemo. And the girl came in and at this stage, as you know, then you have the port in, but my veins were starting to get a bit weird, you yeah, know. Weak, like. So they were, you know, they really, this, this day that I went in, they had to like four times to try and get a vein. And that was just horrendous. Because one stage it kind of blew up a bit and I was like, oh, please just get it in and get it done with. So I was sitting there and the girl came in and she said to me, oh, you're finished now, Debbie. And I said, no, I didn't have my chemo. And she said, yeah, you did. And I said, no, I didn't. And she said, yeah. And she was looking at something. She said, yes, you did. And I said, okay. So I rang my partner and I said to him, will you pick me up? I said, because he'd be coming out and walk. And I said, will you pick me up? I said, and he said, yeah, I'm finished. He said, actually, no. He said, I'm going to be up that way in the next 10 minutes. And I said, great. We're just going to take this out and then I'll be, I'll meet you outside um, the car park. That was fine. And I got up off the seat. I went down in the lift. I got down to the lab, the, floor, the ground floor to go out and the phone rang. And it was, hi Debbie, where are you? And I said, I'm just after getting out of the lift. I said, I'm just on my way out. And she said, I'm really sorry, but you need to come back up. We didn't give you your chemo. I was like, I said this. I told you this. And he's were going, no, no, you had it, you had it, I said. Mm. So the thing for me, before I even went back up in the lift, it was the fact that I knew yeah. I was to get the needle again. And I was like, oh my God, I need to find this vein again. And this is going to be horrendous. Torturous. Yeah. And that's why I suppose I put me frustration into, I was saying to all the women, now I'm writing to Simon Harris. You better write to Simon Harris. And you better write to Simon and Harris. And did you? And we did, yeah, we did. And of course you get the generic letters back. Because at that point, I was kind of going, forget about me. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, I know I, I, I was lobbying for myself, but I was like, I walked out of this hospital without the chemo. I may as well have been a woman who, who I met in there, mm-hmm. who a lot of the women were from the country. And I'd I know it's really awful, early yeah. in the morning. And I was like, what if they'd have been on their way home? Or trying to get a train. Yeah. And a lot of them would have depended on, you know, the voluntary drivers. Yeah. You know, to bring them. And I said, like, well, what would happen if they were halfway home and they had to come back? Yeah. So I think for me, it was just about, you know, making them aware of what happened in the, in the hospital. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That us people here, we have enough And the nurses are f- doing oh, a phenomenal job. You can't fault... I'm like I'm in awe of the work yeah. they do and how they go home at night as well. Yeah. You know, with all like what they see yeah. and what they do, they're unreal. 
they need bigger space they, we need a bigger oncology yeah. board we need more nurses and like they're seeing all these patients anyway so they're not taking on more work they just need to spread it out more exactly and exactly. it's really frustrating for, for us and no matter how much we complain it's not going to change until the department of health invests more money into it. exactly you know, exactly, if, if yeah. everyone's if everyone's doing like charity work for cancer research and cancer this and cancer that, why can't something be done for a for a big oncology ward yes. per yeah. hospital? Yeah. Like we've got the Matter Bowmount exactly. and we've got St James's and I don't know if there's another, any other hospitals privately there are. Yeah. But I'm talking about the public hospitals who, you know, if, if there could be funding for them would yeah. be great. You know, because our lives would be made much easier. Easier, definitely. It's it's just like I'm I'm glad tomorrow is my last chemo, but I'm dreading. Yeah. Because my day, and, I, and it's lonely because you're not allowed to bring anyone. Well, now because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't, but I'll I don't be honest with you, I never brought anyone with me. I mean, people used to say to me, like my partner used to say, I'll go with you. My kids, I'd say, I don't want anyone with me. Because mm. I knew when I got there, I have to be honest, yeah. I loved meeting the people and yeah. I loved hearing the stories. And I think that's great, but I some sometimes people tell you stuff and it's too much. Yeah. And that's when I kind of, so I don't really get close. I'm really... So I think I'm a socially awkward person yeah. and I don't even realise it sometimes. But I don't get full on in with people. So because this one man started telling me that they were going to sew up my bum hole and all because oh, I got a tumour low down in my rectum and he had one and that's what they done to him. I have trauma now about having my bowel surgery because he's told me that I'm going to have my bum sewed up. Like, what the fuck? But you see, it's about yourself, Lynn. Yeah. It's how you're feeling as well. Yeah. If you're, like, going... If you're vulnerable with your heart yeah. when you're on chemo and you're having treatment... Well, yeah, and it's good days and bad days. Yes, it does depend, exactly. Like, it would depend. I mean, if he just told you that on a day where you were feeling okay, you'd kind of go, well, do you know, I don't really know whether yeah. that's what's going like, on. Like, I have a lot of fear now around what they're going to do to me for the surgery, but look, that's something that... Something that I'd, would cross when it comes to it but one question I wanted to ask you was genetically did you have the genetics test no I didn't but my sister did because there's five girls in my family three boys and four of us have had cancer but completely different cancers the four of us have had you know um, there's twins one had um, a melanoma on her face and then the other one had uh, non-Hodgkin's and then the other sister who's still going through treatment at the minute uh, which is finished treatment, but she's still on medication and has a tracheotomy. She um, had throat and head cancer, you know. And one of my sisters then got the genetic test and they said no. You know, okay. because I did ask. I suppose because I have two daughters. Of course, yeah. I was really, I was like, oh God, I hope I didn't pass this down to them. Mm. I was, that really, I was like, oh my God, if I'm after giving my girls this, I yeah. will go, I, I wouldn't be, keep blaming myself, do you know. Yeah. And I was going, please, God, don't let this be... But you didn't have you the BRCA gene or anything no, like that. No, no. Okay. So I was like, just... So anyway, what happened then was actually my daughter, who had had, had the baby, had uh, talked that there was something there, and she went and, and she got tested as well. So I suppose it's about... She probably wouldn't have done that had I not been diagnosed yeah, course, with breast yeah. cancer. Yeah. And even though she was only young, I suppose it's just about being aware of our own bodies yeah. and saying, you know what, if something feels wrong... Mm. Get it tested. But it's Get the same, tested. isn't it that thing, Debbie, that people are afraid to talk about everything. If it's not mental health they're afraid to talk about, it's like, we have to be talking about our poo. We have yeah. to be talking about our boobs. They're all part yeah. of our bodies. Like, yeah, you know, of course it is. Um, and the thing is, it's all the stigma. Like, if I'm talking about my bowel or whatever, like bleeding from your bum, 
people are like, oh, how can she, like, is she not Scarlett saying that? No, I'm fucking not because no. look at me now, like, you know. No. But I mean, it's, it's there, if they're uncomfortable around her, well then, mm. you don't have to listen to her, Linda. Like but I, this is a reality for yeah. people who has it. Yeah. So you have to say what, what's happening mm. for you. you know? Like religiously, I have a smear test yeah. every five years and I've never had a bad smear test. And I know we spoke about this before, but last year, just before I started chemo, I'd been diagnosed with cancer. And within a week, I got my cervical. I want. I got my cervical smear done before I started chemo because mm. I wanted to see how that would come back. But that came back that I had the HPV. Uh, yeah, the HPV virus, yeah. which I've never had nothing in my smear test. Yeah. Right. So they what they said was they checked around and they, they didn't feel there was any other cancer there. So for that reason, I didn't need any further testing. However, rather than it be five years that I have my next smear, I'm due it next. I'm due it in July. Yeah. I'm gonna have it a year later. I'm really interested to see is that HPV gone because my body has been now flushed with 12 chemos. Yeah. And how is my cervix or is the HPV virus gone or has hopefully nothing's transpired from that now and that yeah. the chemo has done the job. But isn't it just funny that since I was, my son was born when I was 22, so that would have been my first smear test. Yeah. And I've had them religiously since. since. And I get bowel cancer and as soon as I get bowel cancer, Something goes wrong with one of my smear tests, isn't yeah. it just? But they don't they say, I mean, when I look back as well, the year before I was diagnosed, I thought the whole time I had infections everywhere. I was getting infections everywhere. But I would have never, ever, ever thought I had cancer. Yeah. I would have never Mine thought. Mine was tiredness. But what actually was happening was my immune system was letting me know. Something wasn't right. I was annoyed at myself because yeah. I was like, do you know what, Debbie? You, in your walk, you know, as I said, I walked in health promotion. In my walk, I'd be saying to people, listen to your body, listen to your body. I said, mine was roaring at me. Yeah. You know, going, oh, Debbie, yeah. you had a chest infection, you're on steroids, mm. you're on antibiotics. Six weeks later, you have the same thing, you have yeah. a nine section. I was like, why I can't did I not listen? Yeah. Why did I not hear that? I can't understand how I had, I am anemic, so I've always had low iron, right? Always, like from whatever. And I had regular blood tests for my iron, so my liver function was done, my kidney function, all of them. And nothing ever came back in my liver function. And Debbie, to be stage four, you have to have cancer for, yeah, for a while. Yeah, a while. Yeah. So yeah. those blood tests, why weren't they shown that? And I thought, now, initially I started off with four tumours, but by the time they went to do surgery, there were six. So how did none of my bloods from a GP never show up a raise in my liver or lows thing? And I don't get that. Yeah. And maybe because I'm not a doctor and I don't know, but like why? I just don't understand why nothing's ever showed up. And then all of a sudden they're talking, Telling you have secondary cancers in your liver. Yeah. Like But as far as I'm aware with blood tests, they test for what they test for and like yeah. if they weren't doing a test on your white cells, maybe. It was it liver function is what they do. But yeah. I'm sure if you have four tumours in your liver, there's something so wrong with the function. So you were asymptomatic, yeah. Rena. You Very, weren't showing yeah, symptoms. Asymptomatic. So yeah. there your liver was probably it looked like it was functioning fine, but yeah. in reality, because you would have been asymptomatic no only that you were yeah. called for yeah. your for yeah. your mammograms and that. But then, as I said, there was there was signs there with with the you know with the colds and flus and yeah. the infections. But as I said, I didn't listen to those. You know, I just so thought it was like, yeah, yeah. I just thought, oh, you know, it's just another infection. And it was actually my friend said to me, Debbie, you can't keep taking antibiotics. Yeah. You know, you can't keep taking. And these we always put it down to a change in the weather, don't we? Like <laughs> where are you? Mad, but Your going, oh, yeah. You know, I stopped wearing a coat last week, and now I'm dying of pneumonia. No, I know that's it. <laughs> 
Tell us about when you finished your radiation. So did you have radiation first or chemo? I had chemo first. Then radiation. And then radiation. And yeah. then what was the conversation? Like, was there scans and stuff? There was one scan after that. Pet scan? Yeah. And then they said that I had to have um, the medication, which was tamoxifen. Which is? It's a tablet. That is it a chemo tablet? It's a, see, this is weird. It's a tablet to stop the breast cancer coming back. Okay. But they told me that the side effects could give, it could be, not give me, but the side effects is that some women could show signs of womb or cervical cancer, you know, from this medication. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, like you're taking this tablet to stop something mm. and yet it could mask something else. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I suppose that was really, I was, I was, every pain I was getting, I was going, Oh God, have I got it in me will, do you yeah. know? And it's that fear of, it is it coming back? Mm. What was that conversation like when you told you the cancer was gone? Yeah, I, again, I was kind of going... I think I'd have been kissing his feet. No, I actually, <laughs> I, I, I was sitting across the table and I was like, I actually said, does that mean the cancer is gone now? You know, and I actually, my, my oncologist was um, a female in... The matter. The matter. Kathy Kelly is her name. Who's also a famous author, but they're not the same people. And she, because I always ask this because my oncologist is Professor Gallagher, right? Yeah. So he's the guy that I would swallow every word he says. Yes. But then I don't have the same amount of respect for the people under him, which is very, I shouldn't be like that. No, because it's like everything else. They're all learning. But they're obviously learning from the The person who, yeah. So to me, it's like, I don't care who I see. Especially if they're giving me good news. Yeah. I don't care who it is. I got fixated on seeing him a lot. Yeah. But now no, I've kind of got over that. No, and I'm that seeing never, others. No. You see, I suppose everybody's different. That never bothered me. I didn't care who I seen. Once you were seeing. Once they were going to say to me, you know, you're okay. And obviously every year, and this is important, every year when it's time for it to go back for your screen, you are literally the day or two days beforehand going, oh. Yeah. I'm going again. So your screen did not every did you start like so every year. So let's start so he told you that you were can you asked him were you cancer free and yes. he said what did he say? He said yes, you but you have to take the medication to prevent it coming back. Okay. So I said I would take poison. You know, yes, which is things. But you you got I take whatever needs yes. to be taken, you take it. So he he told me that I'd be on the medication for five years. Okay. So and again that brings its own side effects as well of course you know this you know they told me that i could have tin and hair and all that sort of stuff and thank you you did lose your hair yeah i did and i mean i made i made a conscious decision to get rid of it because i didn't want it i didn't want to see it on the pillow i just didn't i just i was like oh i want i want to get rid of this hair now so i made a conscious decision and we donated it to a charity for children with cancer wow and um the mad bit was me eldest daughter Rebecca got me me wig. <laughs> I think I wore it coming home that day, and I never wore it again. I know they're so expensive. They're, yeah, yeah, but I was like, she was saying, "No, mum, I'll get you the wig," and I was like, "And it was as near as possible to me own hair." Yeah. And I think for me, it was. It, I, heard I know it's itchy like women is just obviously hair for women is like you're supposed to have hair. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas men don't mind. Lots of men do mind, yeah. but some men don't mind that they're losing their hair. But I remember coming home that day from the um, hairdressers after being having my hair shaved and wearing the, the wig and coming home and my partner not really noticing. 
Yeah. He didn't even notice that that wasn't my hair because it was really close yeah. to what I had. And I was like, okay, so, um, but that night we were sitting watching the television and uh, he was watching that, but I was sitting on the other end of the sofa and uh, I just went, affect this. And I just pulled off the wig and I put it there. And he looked around and he didn't even blink. <laughs> which for me, I was like, yeah. oh God, I was expecting him to go, oh geez, you have to frighten the life out of me. Do you know what I mean? You've no hair. But he didn't. He, he was like, you're fine, you know. And I was just, I'm not comfortable wearing it. Yeah. And I became the hat queen. I wore hats and fancy hats, you know, and my little tobins. I thought yeah. it was beautiful in yeah. them. And I wore them for like Because the, the common thing is with breast cancer that women lose their hair. That's yeah. no... That's no uh, secret. Everybody no. knows that. My no. frustration is as someone with bowel cancer, the constant comments of, oh, you haven't lost your hair. I feel like I'm lying to have cancer. No. Because so many, we were talking about this kind of last week. So many people say to me, oh, you kept your hair. So I've lost hair, the hair on my legs, under my arms, yeah. everywhere else, just not on my head. On but my your hair, your, you found your, did you find I your mean, hair was thinning? Like, look, we Yeah, but did you find it the same? Yeah. Did you find it was thinning? Yeah. Because it, it may not necessarily... Yeah. I mean, my. I really is, feel like I'm justifying myself every time someone says it now. No, because so no. many people are going, "Oh, you kept your hair." No, well, like, some of the women. not only about your yeah, hair. Like, some of the know? women that had the breast cancer with me decided not to get their hair, you know, done because they, they had short hair anyway. Mm. But in actual fact, what happened then was they, 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 again, it's the treatment you're having. Yeah. They were like, "Well, I had no plans to get a cut, but it got so thin yeah. that I, you know, people were just looking at me head." Yeah. And they couldn't see there was no hair there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where so, mine, like I'm not even leaving mine down anymore because it's just yeah. like I need to get a color in it. But I, I am very look. Like, if I lost my hair tomorrow, I wouldn't give a shite, and I know I wouldn't. No, I um, wouldn't yeah. care less. But it, that it like losing your hair doesn't define your cancer, and everyone no. gets fixated on the hair loss. Yeah, what because people. All the other things you lose, like your fucking dignity and yeah. scars, and oh, I get really frustrated. The, if now. you think back though, that's the stuff that you would have heard like maybe ten, twelve years ago. Yeah. Oh God, love them. Do you know they have cancer? Should they lose their hair? Yeah, and he, yeah. Got, he lost his hair or whatever. But not everybody. I yeah. mean, my sister who has cancer now, the the, the eldest one. Didn't she hasn't her lost hair. her hair. Yeah, but she's, she's very thin hair. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? She has short never, hair, doesn't she? Yeah, but yeah. she never lost lost her hair, but it did go thin. Yeah. But again, I suppose for women, sometimes, you know, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and going, it's only hair. And it will come back. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but now, he's <laughs> looking at me hair now. I look at myself now, I refuse to get that cut in the last year and a half. I have never in my life had my hair this long. I know, I've never seen Never in my life had my hair this long. And I'm kind of going, Nope, nope, I'm leaving it, I'm leaving it, I'm, and I don't care how long it grows. And somebody said to me last week, you, you can't do that, you'll be like Rapunzel. And I was like, yeah, That's I know, okay. but yeah. I, I, I decided. Yeah. And again, I suppose, consciously, I was thinking, I didn't really care that I know her, but now that I have, I want to keep it again. Yeah. Whereas before, I probably wouldn't yeah. even talk about it. Like, that. I did think I was going to lose my hair, but the first thing I was told when I was told what chemo I was having was you don't lose your hair with this chemo yeah. with pain but you definitely lose it on your legs and under your arms and all yeah. other parts of your body you just don't lose it on your head but I think like as a as a human being myself before I was diagnosed with cancer what you think about is those films you watch where someone's on chemo and they're in the toilet throwing, throwing up. up and yeah. I think my whole family expected that to be me yeah. and it clearly isn't like wasn't me either and if I go no. on the next chemo after my bowel I might end up very sick yeah. vomiting loss of hair and all of that I've just got lucky so far exactly but then exactly. I haven't got that lucky because number one I had cancer and number two I 
had sepsis and I had blood collapse. I know, and you got COVID as well. I know, I just didn't lose my hair. Do you, do you know what I mean? And I'm not sick every... So you see, you are lucky. Yeah, so there's <laughs> lots of pros and cons, I suppose. But anyway... But I suppose a good thing to say, or just to, to mention, not a good thing to say was that, I think it's, it's hard for the partners as well. I mean, my yeah. partner was like, he didn't know how to cope. And I found that I was asking yeah. him, was he okay? I was yeah. going, are you okay? There was conversations yeah. I needed to have and I didn't feel I could have them with Carl. Not that I don't trust him. It was too raw. Because initially yeah. when I was diagnosed with cancer, I thought, that's it, I'm going to die. Because yeah. that's what I didn't think I was going to have an option to yeah. stay alive. And I think, uh, regrettably asking like what stage it was and been told stage four, I assumed that I was going to die, like, and that yeah. was, I didn't realize it was all these options. And because yeah. you become an expert in your cancer as you go along, and yeah. now I know, like, Jesus, anything could happen tomorrow, Debbie. You know, I know. like anything. I know. Um, but right now, like, I remember, and I was saying this to Amory last week. I was talking about memory boxes and writing yeah. letters as soon as I was diagnosed, because in my head I was thinking, this is what people do. But that's, no, it's not what people do. It's what, you it's think. what people assume. Yeah, exactly. Because I would have been the same. I was going, how do I write a letter? How do I start writing letters for my granddaughter? And she was the one I really cared, not cared about, but I was like, because she knew. She was, um, what, 12, 10, I think at the time. Yeah, 10 she would have been. But I knew she knew because she knew that my sister had cancer. Yeah. And me, I was trying to hide it from her. And I was like, no, I they, they, they were saying, like, you have to tell her. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I was like, how do, how do I do this? Without letting her thinking, I'm going to die. Yeah. So I just said to her, and she, she actually, we were in the room one day, and she seen the booklet. I'd left the booklet out. And she said to me, Nanny, have you got cancer? And I said, yeah, I have. Lexi, I have got cancer. And she said, um, but are you going to get better? Mm. And I said, yeah, I'm going to get treatment, and I'm going to get better. Yeah. And I suppose that's the thing I was saying about my partner, Matty. He said to me, Debbie, I have to be honest with you, he said. I was expecting you to be severely yeah. ill. And he said, I was panicking that I'd be able to support you. You know, but he will, he will tell you. He we, don't tell even, you. we don't even talk he about said, it. He said, Debbie, I can't anymore. believe he said that you just, not slided through it, but I never, not moaned or complained. I just, yeah, but you, you're not a moaner. No, I'm not a moaner. That's I'm my not. job. But I mean, no, but I just, I'm just not. But I just, I never took to the bed. Never took to no, the bed. No, did it One day, out of all them months, I took to the bed. That's the day I, I was so sick that with the um, radiation. First day I took the radiation. But after that, I swear to God, I, I made sure I got out of the bed. Because yeah. I was like, no. This is not going to keep me down. I need to get up and yeah. I need to start. And it's not even going. about getting up, it's about getting dressed. Because you yes. can get into a rut of being yeah. in your house coat and pajamas all day and that becomes your life. And then you're yeah. like, this is actually... Because I spent 10 days in hospital, as you know, with the sepsis yeah. and stuff. When I come home, I haven't worn pajamas since I've come home. I can't physically yeah. even put them on me because I've spent so much time in them. And I think you... Yes, and I have about 20 pairs up Yeah, so like, she ate your pajamas with... with sick. Yeah. When you were a child, that's what your, your mother would have said to you. Yeah. I stay in your pajamas for the day or a dressing gown because you're not well. Yeah. And I'd be the same as you. I'd be going, I don't like wearing because my dressing gown because I don't, want, to, I don't yeah. want to associate this with being sick because I'm not. Yeah. Even if I'm having a lazy day, I'm still dressed because yeah. I don't like being... You know oh, what I mean? No, now, there's no, an odd Sunday. Like well. There's an odd Sunday when you're going, thanks be to God, I don't have to do anything today or I don't have to go out or maybe even Saturday. And you're going, I'm going to stay yeah. in my dressing gown all day. I don't care what yeah. happens today. This is what I'm going to do. But I suppose getting back to the thing, I'm four years now. Um, 
when 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 he when he said you were free and then you went on with your life then yeah. what was that like before we get to you coming to four years what was yeah. it like initially in the beginning like you know the do you feel that grief and I, I know this sounds really weird but do you feel that sense of grief around you know the the I suppose the bubble you've made within the context of the hospital between having friends having your chemo and you've 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 kind of got used to this normality of this is yeah. my life and then yeah. that's all gone yeah what did, did you well, have it's, any... it's still never i mean i remember when covid came forth and people were wearing masks and they were all upset about it but you know when we had uh you i had before you but i mean it's like we had to wear masks all the time yeah now even when we were going to shop and we had these fucking things that looked like donald duck do you know yeah, what I mean? which we still have and they're yeah. going I, I have to wear so when when the mask came out it actually didn't phase me. Yeah. And I was actually kind of going, yeah. And because even though I'm four years after, I would still be, um, I'd still be at risk. I'd yeah. be classed as high risk. Because obviously just to say that when I got my radiation, this is the one thing that, that's important as well. Uh, he told me it was really funny. Now it's funny and it's not. I went into a room and he told me he, I, was, I was getting the radiation. And this was a different doctor. And he said, now I need to tell you something. He said, you know, you'll never, you'll never run a marathon again. He said, because you'll lose lung capacity. Oh, for fuck's and I, I laughed and I said, but I never ran one before. So <laughs> I don't think it's going to bother me. <laughs> but, but when COVID came, because I knew I hadn't got full lung capacity. From the radiation? Yes. Okay. I swear to God, that's when all alarm bells went off in my head. I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? Uh, no, this, 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 this COVID is attacking the lungs. Yeah. And I'm like, I've only got one good one and I've had probably a good one. And I'm like, oh, mm. what am I going to do? Yeah. So I suppose for me, literally, I stayed in for the two years. I mean, basically. And you I walked done, from home and stuff, didn't I you? Do, I mean, obviously, I walked from home. But I mean, it was like, I was too afraid to go anywhere. No, I know. And I remember going to the shopping centre one day and uh, I was in the queue. And I remember wearing my breast cancer uh face mask, you know, so to buy me pink mask and I was about five of them or something and I was like, now people know I have cancer or I'm in remission or whatever, I don't know what they'd know. But uh, I remember standing in the queue and I was I wasn't thinking, you know, I should be up there with anybody. But my daughter rang me, and she said, Mom, my friend that walks and done said, She's after seeing you in the queue and she said, Will you go up to the front of the queue because you're entitled to be in there and I was like, No, I you know, there's other people sicker than me and I no, she's actually white because I'm actually hanging myself yeah. standing there with you. And funny story, I'll tell you, I was in the zoo on Sunday and you're going to laugh because this is really embarrassing, but funny as well. I was in the zoo and, you know, with bowel cancer, we had lunch. When you have to go, you have to you go. You have to go, yeah. And I have a lot of diarrhea lately. Mm. So I went in and there was a queue in the bathroom and I'm not going to go up and go, oh, sorry, I've stayed through bowel cancer. Can I use uh, yeah. the toilet before you? I ended up using the disabled toilet, but in the process of waiting, my stomach started to cramp and oh. I left the worst part, right? But everyone started to hold their nose. But because I didn't want them to know it was me, I started to hold my nose too. <laughs> to let on that it wasn't me. Because it was so it was so bad. So bad. It was toxic. Oh, and on the wall, there was this frame with all different kind of animals poo. And I was like, my fucking poo should be up on that. <laughs> so I ended up going into the disabled toilet and like nicely on the door, I had 
not all disabilities are visible. That's true. And I was like, if somebody says, what are you going in there for? I'm going to, I will get yeah, annoyed. Exactly, like, yeah. But I had to hold my nose because when I seen everyone else making these, like, I was like, shit, if I don't do it, they're going to know it was me. I mean, so yeah. I start going like this, hold them Get the oldest off yourself, get the oldest off yourself. So bad, so bad. Uh, Debbie, can I just ask you, yeah. when the when your doctor obviously told you that you were, you had finished all your treatment and stuff like that, was the words that they used cancer free no. or did they use remission? remission remission was the word they didn't use cancer free and that's the one thing that kind of you kind of go am I cancer free yeah. because they don't like using I don't know whether they don't like using it or but I know it wasn't used mm. so even me I kind of go well do you know what Debbie in my mind I'm waiting and that's it's mad I'm waiting for year five to come this is year four and I'm doing my mammogram um, in the next few weeks and I'm like I'm, I'm nervous for it and I, yeah, obviously yeah. everybody is nervous when they're going for tests but yeah, you just can't wait and it's that thing of they, if they say to me come back you're going oh it's like I know my stomach my stomach will just sink yeah. because you're kind of going mm-hmm. oh because you're kind of going did one of them little freaky cells yeah. come back somewhere because I'm paranoid at the minute because I found a lump in my tummy as you know yeah the, the doctor the oncologist felt that and feels it's benign but every so often I keep getting like a pain in one of my lungs and I'm like, oh, it's spread to my lung. Now, I don't know it's spread to my lung, but in my head I'm going, oh, is that just like a little kind of throb in my lung or is there something there? Yeah. I completely get it. Like, and No, and, and, and I mean, that's, it's obviously, you know, as I said, it's people who has had it and they know that it can happen. It can. It can spread to other parts yeah. of the body. So it's not about being scaremongering or anything. It's just about being realistic. Yeah. And known, as I said, when he said to me, it could go into your big toe, I was like, what would happen there? And then I, you start imagining, oh, your toe has to come off. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> well, in reality, know, it could end up know, in know, your toe. So every year when you're going back for your screenings. Now, do you, did you have to do every three months in oncology after you were breast cancer free? Yeah, or, yeah I cancer-free. had to have, see, I had to have chemotherapy, um, chemotherapy first. Then I had to have Herceptin injections, right? And they were into the thigh, which were very, very, very sore. What were they for? They were um, hormonal as well. And it was, I think they were hormonal. Can I ask you before we go any further, and I know you were 51 when you were diagnosed, yeah. so don't take this as an insult. Were yeah. you already in menopause or did, did breast cancer know. throw you into it? To answer you, clearly I do not know because um, I had the coiling. And obviously some people do get a period, some people don't. Yeah. I didn't. I would uh, no in the beginning when I got me Kyle and forced I would have been. I was going, what did I even get this in? Did they take that out when you were diagnosed? Yeah. Okay. And I would have rather had ten babies. <laughs> really? Yeah. Or it's just, it's period. just uncomfortable. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, women just don't like them things and it's, them, but it just has to happen and we're, and I'm, we're probably going around the world now. But why did they take the coil out? Because they said you see, this is why I asked, because I was kinda of going, um, I have a prolapse. Well, so putting her in, taking it out was very painful, yeah. right? And they didn't sedate you for that. No, and they actually see if I'd have known I was getting it took out, I would have took painkillers because I mean, if you take painkillers, it does work. Do you know what I mean? Let's be honest, but it's not. I mean, we've had babies, so I'm, I, I know I wasn't going to die. Yeah. I just didn't like the thought of having the probes getting done to me mm. to to find a force to remove it. And I was like, and he said, no, we have to remove it. He said because we don't know how much hormone is left in your body. Okay. And I was kind of going, well, but the five years is over with this. Can I not just leave her in there and leave it and just forget about it? Mm. And he said, no, because I had asked, am I in menopause? And they said, well, we don't know until you get a proper 
hormone test. Now, they did say to me afterwards, so yes, I prob- they, they said I'm postmenopausal. So I suppose in one way, it was a good thing because I didn't get what some women get, which is, you know, the flushes and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Now, someone said to me, the medication sometimes can master and it'll probably happen afterwards. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, this is what I look forward to. A lot of women who get breast cancer, they kind of get shot into, yeah. into menopause. Yeah. Like, through yeah. the injections or whatever. Yeah. So that hormone you got in your yeah. leg, yeah. was that something? Yeah, I, I presume it was, but I, I don't actually know. But I know it was it was very stingy. I know it's like it was like a bee sting and they had to count to like seven minutes while you were putting it in. You know, so they'd, stuck be, it in and they'd be sitting there and they'd be going, you know, and they'd be doing this, you know, because that, it was slow release into the body. And it was a hormone. I presume it was. I actually don't know, Linda, you know, you can check it out. But I know it was a hair septum because that, that was part of my treatment. He told okay. me chemo, um, hair septum, radiation and tomoxin. And how much of hair septum did you have? I had one every, was it every week I had it? For a few weeks, I think probably six weeks. Okay. And again, this was horrendous because I was like, I'm going in here to have an injection that's taken seven minutes and I was off in seven hours. Now, Wait, when I uh, when I was no. getting the chemo, I kind of, not that I expected that, you kind of knew we were going to be there. You just accepted you were going to be there yeah. all day. And like that, I that's why it was one of my complaints. I wrote in and I said like, this is ridiculous. There's five women here who's only waiting on this injection and I don't think we're any different than them but we're actually what we're actually doing is sitting around a room full of germs yeah and there's a room here that you could maybe bring these women into designate a nurse because it was a nurse that had to do it you yeah. know what i mean designate a nurse to do it mm-hmm. and let them go in and do it but obviously there's toxins in it because my plan a primary health care center opened beside mine and i was delighted and i rang them and i said to them i'm getting her septum and she said to me oh yeah that's the ground we can give it to you here. And I was going, great. She rang me back two days later and she said, Debbie, I'm really sorry. She said, we can't give it, give you that uh, septum because uh, it's very toxic and they won't allow it off the premises of a hospital. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so it's highly toxic, whatever is in it. So the, oh, sorry, just to inter- interrupt. The Herceptin, it's an antibody. An antibody. Right? And it's used to, it stops cell growth. So they use it to treat stomach, throat and breast cancer. Right, so now we know, some, now we know what it is. Some of those cancers, not all of them. Yeah, and that's good because, I mean, it's, as I said, sometimes you don't ask. I you ask just everything, get, Yeah, you, uh, yeah I'm, really, I'm fair play, but I, I mean... I would say my oncologist, when he sees me come and he's like, here she fucking is again. I ask everything, I'm brutal. No, like, you're not brutal but, because like, you're But then people have said to me, if they tell me to stand on my head, I'll stand on my head. And I was like, but that's not good enough. No. I need to know what you're doing to me. Like, No, but I agree with you. You do need to ask. And I mean... The doctor obviously doesn't feel awful not telling you because no. that's his job. The only one thing I haven't asked and I haven't been told is, have I got cancer in my lymph now? It's now I'm stage four. I would right. imagine I do, but I've yeah. never been told. Right. It's never been discussed. Mm. So that's something that I do need to know. But what I was going to ask you was, did you have the 12 weeks chemo, 21 days radiation, and then six rounds of that Herceptin? No, that was in between. That was the chemo, the Herceptin, and then radiation. Yeah. I had that in that in that order. And then And then I'm on the tamoxifen and I'm on year four of the tamoxifen. Okay. And then and what will happen at year five? They'll just take you off. Well you see, I don't know, Linda, because again, you know, obviously from talking to people in the hospital, they have said to me, I got year five and they said to me, We'd prefer they set on it for another five years. Okay. So that's okay. fair enough if that's what they say. But it's just 
it's like the pill. I get up every morning and I know I need to take this. Yeah. Perceptin. And because even it, though it's in my head. Yeah. Even, like, even though you're on it, Debbie, is there a risk that you can still get cancer? Yeah. Like yeah. So even though you're having this preventative medication, yes. you can still yes. develop the yeah. cancer can come back. Come back yeah. Okay. So that's why. But for me, it's just like every morning I get up there beside my kettle nearly mm. and I'm like, I have to take this. Yeah. Because in my mind, it's like it's being drilled into my mind. This is prevented, this is prevented, this is prevented. I'm like that with my blood thinners because yeah. I'm afraid I'll get a blood clot. Yeah. So I will, yeah. I never miss a day. Yeah. So. What's the last four years been like for you? Uh, good, really. Um, I think getting back to work was very helpful for me. Yeah. Because it was reality and normality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, being able to hug my grandchildren again. Yeah. And, and have them back with me and, and can I ask you why couldn't why did he say you couldn't hug them for six months he because not of the hug them hold them hold he said them. I couldn't hold was it because of the surgery yeah he said I wouldn't be able to he said the stress on the breast he said like you would be able to lick because the baby was like um, how old would he be in then he'd have been nine months I think so yeah he was like that's heavy like, yeah. yeah so he was like you can't just lift him up and I was like okay that's that's fine but I mean I have to say all through my treatment they said, you know, you can't be around the children because of the toxic, toxicity of the medication. Oh, wow. But once I had finished it, I could be around them. And I was going, that's great. And it was it was like, you know, I see my partner every day, but I really wanted to see my kids and my grandchildren. Yeah, of course. I was like, I want to see them. And I, I was like, I, that, that made me feel like there's something ahead for me because I look at them and I go, yeah. they're my future. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I have to be around for them. Do you know what I mean? That's no, exactly I, it. I know I have to be around for myself, but I'm yeah. like, that gives me something that I know that, you know, I want to be here for communions, confirmations. And yeah. I'd love to be here for the weddings. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But that's that's just something that you aim for and you hope yeah. for. And you just try not to be negative. And yeah. that's what I try to be. I just say, do you know what? Just tomorrow I'm awake and I do. And I mean, people think, oh, you're mad. I do say, thank God I'm alive. Yeah. I do, and I know, I you? did pray a lot, and I mean, some people do, some people yeah. don't. It was that's what got me through. Yeah, you know, I did pray a lot, and I bre- I blessed me breast with the oil and everything, and I still do it today. And the Lord's was the big thing we'd all be fucking there. I went, I'd be on the, I'd be on the I went to Lourdes. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, twenty nineteen. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even know going to Lourdes is still a thing. Yeah. No, that I wouldn't yeah. mind going. No, so I, 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 I love it. that. But my God, that, 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 that's shocking. The water is shocking. Is it? And I, yeah, God, it's shocking. And it is true that when you come out, you're bone dry. That is, that is the truth. But it was the most shocking thing because they just lean you over real quick. It's like you're being baptised. Oh, God. And I mean, the water is absolutely... Absolutely, it's like minus ten or something. It's freezing, oh, yes. and you walk into it. And Esther, my sister, was outside, and she said, "Debbie, I'll have to tell you." Say, "Well, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus." <laughs> oh, see, I say <laughs> worse than that. She said, "Everybody, would you?" <laughs> oh, and then they dip you into it, and then it is true. You get out, and you're absolutely you're bone dry, Linda. You are bone dry. I think I need to go to Lord's Ed. Flights yeah. are cheap. I was looking at them last night. Not to Lourdes specifically, to France. Yeah. Um, Lourdes is oh, in. Right, okay. But yeah. it is, I, it, as I said, that's just, that's me. I, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm mad religious, but religion brought me through a good bit yeah. as well. Because I kept saying, I have to have faith in yeah, I don't go to Mass every week. No. But like, no. I walked in been and walk and we, I, I walk right beside the church and I like, pop, pop a light a lamp. Yeah. As I'm going off to visit yeah. someone. Like, not, not, not every week, but I no. have done that. 
But come here, um, when you go back every year, do you go back to oncology or just to have a mammogram? I have a mammogram. And that's what with I said. With the normal mammogram system yeah. or with oncology? With, no, no, with oncology in um, Vincent's. Okay. And I still go back to Vincent's because that's where I had it. And I, I prefer to stay with what I have. Yeah. Although I'm outside now because I'm back home, uh, I still prefer to just go because it's like, I know they have all my notes. Yeah. Now, I had, I thought I had a lump um, about a year and a half ago. And I went to my own doctor. I had, because of COVID, they were going, oh, well, we can't, you know, we can't come out yet. And we do this and we do this. And I was so worried about it mm. that they sent me to, um, oh God, was the it the matter? Was no, they sent me to the matter, back okay. to the matter. And they asked me what was I doing there. And I was like, because they said, you go to, t-. and I said, but I have this lump. I have this lump and I know there's a lump there. And uh, she brought me in and she, she checked it. And uh, thankfully there was, there was nothing there. But this, again, because I didn't feel me lump originally, this lump was like protruding. Mm. So he actually said it was just obviously skin. Yeah. And I said that to you about your scar. Yeah, because the, actually, my, lump right, scar yeah. my lump is right beside yeah. the scar. But scar tissue it's underneath. It's and it's hard, but yeah. it's still there. But I remember my friend saying to me when I told her the oncologist said it felt benign. Is she a fucking magician now? She knows if she touches it, what it is. I was like, no, but they've been feeling tumors for so long. Yeah, yeah. They kind of know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's that reassured me. And my, my CT scan next week is on my thorax. Imagine I had to Google what your thorax was, was the first time I got that a couple of months back. Thorax, pelvis and abdomen. Mm-hmm. So like that kind of look at everything really, you know, so. But it's nerve wracking. It is yeah, nerve wracking. And yeah. you will be nervous going. No, oh, know I know. Mean? Yeah. But. Just try like every yourself. fucking pain. Yeah. yeah, like if I get a headache, or oh, have a tumor in my brain. Like it's it's, and it I don't. Some people mightn't be like that, but there's a lot of people who yeah. after cancer, I would imagine they think because again, it's about the possibility yeah. of a return. Yeah, and not necessarily where it started. Yeah, and that's the thing because if you've been told that you know you have breast cancer, you have bell cancer, but it could possibly return because they, as they say, secondary yeah. cancer. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I was told that there could be a secondary yeah. cancer. So you're always thinking, I don't care what anyone says, you know, like some people just Anne don't Marie think, but I do. Week. My friend Anne-Marie that was on last week, she initially had breast cancer, but now that it's all come back, she doesn't have cancer in her breasts. Right. It's, but it's still classed as breast cancer because our first initial diagnosis Diagnosed was breast, the breast. But she mm-hmm. has it in other places in her body. Yeah, because you know? it's a secondary cancer yeah. from that. Yeah. Originated there. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. Because when they done yeah. the operation, the cells moved somewhere. Because I I was diagnosed with bowel cancer, and even though there's only one tumor in my rectum, there was six in my liver. Like you think, really, was it not that I had liver cancer? You know, like that. But yeah. then I know women who within the in the the system in St James's who like one woman had such bad lungs that they found tumors in her lungs, but they knew it was the secondary tumors, yeah. and it took them ages to find where the primary tumor was, which ended up in the bowel. But they couldn't find it for ages, so they were they were dealing with secondary tumors, but they'd no primary. I wouldn't even know anything about that if I didn't have cancer. Yeah. Primary, secondary, what's yeah. that? You, do you know don't, I mean? don't you get you get yourself educated? I, yeah, <laughs> educated on everything. And like mm. I've had so many people in the hospital older than me say, if I'm told to stand in my head, I'll stand in my head. I don't need to know what my cancer markers are, what's going on. I just do what I'm told, and yeah. I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't. But every, everybody happen. is different, though. You know? Do you know what I mean? People. Some people can say, uh, some people say, oh, if I got cancer again, I wouldn't go through this again. I'm not going through yeah. chemo, radiation. I'm just going to call it a day. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a person's decision. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But the way I look at it, to me, I know I'm 55, but I'm like, I'm not ready. 
no, the bone of yard, course, yeah. yeah. And I mean, if I can fight this, and if I got it back, and I can fight it, fight. well, God damn, I'm also going to fight it because right, you, yeah. you want to be alive. Now, you know I had I mean? my liver surgery, which which I still have a lot of trauma about, and it was a horrible mm. situation. And then they had this guy telling me that they're going to sew up my bum hole. Now, my chance of surviving more than five years is have the tumours removed from my liver and have the tumour removed from my rectum, do whatever needs to be done and then move on and hopefully get 15 or 20 years. If I go see my consultant and he tells me that they're going to sew up my bum, I don't know whether I'm open to that, Eddie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that can then change a whole ball game for my treatment. Yeah. You know, like even the colostomy bag, like I had to need counselling just to deal with the fact that that that, that would be something that's going to happen for me. But that's important as well, isn't it? That because, again, you have to weigh up the pros and cons. Yeah. You're kind of going, okay, if they have to do that surgery, but, and you're going, oh God, I couldn't wear the colostomy bag, but weigh up the pros and cons. No, if the colostomy course. bag gives you another 20 years with your children, yeah, I should going, get it. I'll get a colostomy bag. But I definitely bag. would need some yeah. kind of therapy oh, in relation to it because yeah. that's massive like yeah, yeah the le- the liver the liver surgery has traumatized my oh, body and the scar yeah, I it was, have it, it was a big surgery yeah and, you know, and yeah. the scar I have is quite bad but I yeah. can live with that scar and having a bag attached to me which look was always my biggest fear yeah. oh and then I get fucking cancer yeah. and I'm like really it's not my biggest fear anymore but it's and still then good this way, you won't be running to the toilet anymore Oh no, I know, Jesus. You have to I see know. the positives. There'll be no more frightening soon. I'm telling you now because I swear. You'll have to see how much Carl loves you. Will you change the bag? Here, two, about two nights ago, I couldn't sleep and a fart woke me. And he woke up and he looked at me and repulsed and he went, You're disgusting. <coughs> well, that answers the question. And I, said, and I said, Carl, I feel really anxious and you just snored. He was like, Fuck you, you're actually killing me with that fart. I don't care whether you're anxious or not. He went, Sleep. I was like, oh my God. Thing was bad though. So, but what I've been told, can I just say this, right? Because we talk a lot about poo and bleeding and yeah. your poo and all. I asked an oncologist why my farts are so toxic and he told yeah. me because the chemo is breaking parts of the tumour off. So, so little, bits of, little bits are, of the tumour yeah. that are falling are toxic, away. Yeah, the smell and the smell. That yeah. smell You're is. farting out your tumour like? Little bits of it. Yeah, <laughs> the, the smells, the gases. It, like yeah, yeah. It, he said that like little bits of your tumour kind of break away and that's why the farts, because it is bad, like yeah. you empty a pub, like your nose, it's <laughs> fucking chronic. It's a job. You know. Um, so, and it's good that I, because I was like, why do I smell so bad? I'm going to have no friends or family left. That's what I said to him. Yeah. This was months ago. And he was kind of looking at me and he was going, sometimes pieces of your tumour will fall away and that's what makes your smell so toxic. Mm. I'm like, fuck. Like, I didn't even want to make myself. Do you know what I mean? But so that was, <laughs> that was good to know. But, uh, but yeah. On that very crappy note, we'll finish up. Finish up. Yeah. yeah. Um, Debbie, thanks very much for coming on and telling mm. your story. No, uh, it's really right. important mm. that we kind of get people's stories out there because everyone's different exactly. and every story is different. And it's about raising awareness and kind of... It is. And it's good to like, you know, this is a positive story where mm. you're four years in, in remission. Um, we can never be too complacent with no. those years, months, mm. days. We just can't. But it's great that you've had a really good outcome and please God, in a few weeks, you're... And my yeah. mammogram is, is clear it's again. It's clear again. Yeah. What do you do when you get a clear mammogram? Do you go to the pub? Do you skip out of the place? No, do you do I just, no, I just kind of go, yeah, it, it's that thing of waiting. Yeah. And you're kind of going, oh, and you know when you go in for it now, and if they start kind of going, oh, hold on a minute, hold on, and I have to do this one again, you're going, oh, it, it's like, as I said, it just your stomach just goes, oh, is there something here? 
But obviously, it's just sometimes they just can't get what do you need? Because yeah, I've know, had a mammogram yeah, before, um, and like I've got very, I had now I've put on weight, but I had very very tiny boobs. Yeah. So you can imagine how painful oh, that know. is. Oh, I know. I know. People just say that you know, does it make a difference? It does make a difference. Yeah. You know, whether they're when they're big and small, because it's just like you go into that face and it ain't nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. It did. Well, and my mom would say that as well. Like you know, it isn't a nice book. These are the things we have to do, you know. But I suppose getting back to it, four years now, I'm kind of going five years. I probably celebrate. Yeah. You know, every year now because mm-hmm. I think five years is a marker. Yeah. And I go, never get to five years. Well, let's see what. Do happens. you know I have a scan next week on my liver, and I haven't had a drink this year because I want my liver. I want to see my liver results. Yeah. When they tell me that there's no tumours, now I'm not a drinker. No. I am dying for a drink, Debbie. When they tell me all the tumours have gone off my liver, I'm going to go and get drunk. You're going to get drunk. Yeah, Yeah, I am. And that'll be the week after next. And I'll be like, thanks for that. Finish chemo. You'll probably have one and you'll probably go boom. Because you haven't drank in so long. I'll have to take the anti-sickness tablets with me just to fucking get through the night. Come through that drinking. Well, look, thanks again. Thanks, Seth. Yeah. It's no problem. And uh, definitely keep us updated on your scan and we'll update everyone that's listening. Yeah. It'd be good for them to know. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, you can follow us on all our socials. It's at just a tumor of us. And uh, we still have the petition going. So, definitely get on and sign that because the signatures are going up and it's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, If if we made any change to that screening age, it would be. And I'm, I'm. I need to work on my patients. I'm not very patient. So I was seeing like, oh, 20 people signed it, 50 people signed it. And I get frustrated. I'm like, just sign the second thing. But then there's the whole process that people go on emails and they don't want to hear from yeah. change.org and yeah. all of that. And, yeah, but, but like 30 people signed it, but now it's at 300 and something yeah. people. Like it, so, it's yeah. taking time, but it's getting so, there. Yeah, guys, just share, share, share. And how many do you need for it to go... You There's know. not really a number. We haven't set a limit on it. But oh, right. Just when we get a good yeah. enough amount to go to the government and be like, listen, people want this sorted. Yeah. People and we are hoping think. to get like maybe hopefully an oncology nurse or an oncologist on and yeah. Ed's in touch with someone from a college and we're trying to do those pieces because it's good that we can say whatever we can say, but it's good when a professional can come on and educate yes, you. you exactly. know? So exactly. we might get anywhere with that, but look. Yeah, wait and see what happens. Yeah, Um, yeah, so thanks again, Debbie, and uh, thanks everyone for listening.